Welcome to this new episode of the Are You Listening podcast brought to you by New Amendment. GL, what up? How is the week going on your side? My dog, it's, it's good, man. It's going. It's going. Uh, you know, obviously, happy Rutgers basketball. Got a win over Penn State. Somehow, somehow got a win. Not not sure how they pulled that one off. Um, <laughs> you know, but for me personally, everything's been going well. Been staying in the gym, you know, with all my kids doing this basketball training, man. It's starting to grow a little bit, too. So it's uh, it's getting fun and competitive, especially now that, you know, the high school and middle school school seasons are starting to end. So it's been cool, man. Your, your week's been, been all right? Week has been great, man. It's busy. That time of the year, that end of March is a grind. You know how the season is. But uh, yeah. doing these both jobs, man, it's been kicking my ass a little bit. But yeah. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yes, sir. For sure, man. I, I feel that, though. <laughs> I definitely feel that. Need a need a vacation for sure, man. Yo, that's how I'm feeling, too. Some of my friends, some of my friends keep hitting me up. Like, yo, we going to – where are we going? You know, some people saying what Mexico. You, I'm trying to go to Greece. you got in your mind? I'm trying to go to Greece, man, like Mykonos or something. You know, I think that's that's a little different. Uh, Last summer I went to Punta Cana, so I'm trying to switch it up a little bit. Love Um, it, love it. I'm I'm thinking tropical and crystal clear blue waters, uh, Turks and Caicos or something. Anything's on the table, though. Anything's on the table. I just need need something. I need something, man. Out of the Northeast in this nasty-ass weather that we got this week. For real. for real. Obviously, as you just alluded to, a lot of exciting things. Uh, are you pulling out a big dub? And we'll get to that momentarily. Um, two games to recap once we, you know, switch segments with Michigan and and Penn State. One question I have for you before we jump into anything. I was out at Penn State um, for the game, and I was I had the fortune of going around campus a little bit because we had some downtime. It was State Patty's Day. They just had Thon recently. Have you ever gone or had a chance to peruse around other college campuses and felt like, yo, I, I could see myself here and this is actually kind of lit like Rutgers? I don't think so. I don't think I ever had time. <laughs> like, I, or not for That's real. Like, I, like, not even saying, like, like I looked around and I was like, oh, this looks cool because I'm sure they're all, I mean, Big Ten. I mean, every, everybody's lit in the Big Ten. But, like, I never had time. Like, I, like, I felt like I was pretty locked in on the road. Like I never, and, and shit, I don't play no more. I would tell you if I was outside, like <laughs> I would say it, like, you know what I mean? I would tell you like, oh no, nah, on the road, I was, I was, I was messing around, but I wasn't like, I never, I was scared. Shit. I didn't want to, I didn't want to. That's a good point. That's I a didn't want to go. You, I didn't want to get in trouble. Games. I didn't, right. yeah, I didn't, didn't want to get in trouble or anything like that. And, I, and you got to remember, I was the captain for four years. Like if I'm messing mm-hmm. around, everybody going to go like, oh, Geo going. Yeah, we outside. Like everyone would have done it too. So I never. I never really went around the campuses, honestly. Like I, everything I've heard has just been like word of mouth. Like, oh yeah, Michigan's lit or Wisconsin's lit. But I never like, I never like actually saw the campuses stuff like that. Nah, I respect that. That's true. And most most players I feel will have that same sentiment. Um, yeah. You're locked in. You're on a mission. You're going to go do a job when you yeah. go to these opposing teams' campuses. I think more so now as a spectator and a commentator, I have a chance to kind of see what these schools are like and. Yeah. Although Penn State is in the middle of nowhere, um, the campus is really nice, and it I does heard. feel it feels like Rutgers. Um, yeah. It was like the the bar scene, the 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 way the campus was laid out, and then the people that were there as well were yeah. very reminiscent of the people that Rutgers draws as well. I've he- I've heard that I've heard that it's uh that's lit, and I've heard it's like Rutgers too. Like I feel like I feel like a lot of Jersey people go over there too. Like a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to go to Rutgers. I'd rather go to Penn State. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the reason. It's like it kind of feels like Rutgers, but at least you're out of state and you're not staying home in New Jersey. So I get, 
I get the the reasoning and the thinking behind it when people do that. For sure. Um, and they had the are you the are you hungry out there? And I, I hate having that conversation For real? with people from Penn State. They always act as if it originated at Penn State when it's literally called Are You Hungry? Yeah. Um, I didn't even know they had one out there. Yeah, they have it out there. It was interesting oh, to see. Um, That's but, crazy. Yeah, man. Um, but good week. Good week nonetheless. Um, excited to start to get into postseason play. Big Ten yeah. tournament right around the corner. Can't wait for that. Got yeah. dudes out here chirping because they team got a couple of dubs recently. So yeah. Yeah. you know how that goes. We'll save yeah, that yeah. for another episode. For sure. Uh, yeah, we're going to save it. We're going to save yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, They waited yeah. a long time. We could wait a long time, too. We, we, yeah. When they go low, we go high. That ass. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm joking. But at, at the end of the day, um, really excited for RU for a multitude of reasons. So let's get right into the X's and O's of things. Starting out with Michigan. Um, obviously, RU needed a dub and coming off the heels of that Wisconsin game, which was huge without Caleb McConnell coming back to Jersey Mike's arena blackout game. Did you did you have a chance to go to the game? I was at the game. I was there. I was there. Yeah, man. It was uh, there was so much energy at the beginning. Like. I remember sitting in there just thinking, like, oh, this is going to be one of those games where it gets super loud. Like, obviously, the rack's always loud, but, like, I'm thinking in my head it's going to be one of those games, you know what I mean, where it's, like, yeah. you kind of played against well, one of your – obviously, did, Michigan's not you, a rival, but – To ahead. your point, what did you see before the game? Because I heard that the line was up the street and yo, around the corner. Yo, it was crazy. It was crazy. It, I was there – I was there uh, a few hours early, you know, I'm and I'm chilling in the practice facility. I was over there just – just hanging out and I'm looking outside and the line is just to the, to the road, to the main yeah. road, like, like where, uh, where Kilmer's is and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. I'm like, and this is two hours, two hours before the game. So I think, I think, uh, Rutgers athletics did a great job of like marketing the game. Cause I mean, they always, obviously they're always going to, you know, put out emails and stuff like that. It's game day. But like, this is the most I saw on social media blackout and get to the game early, be loud you know, all these different things. I thought, I thought they did a great job marketing it where people were just genuinely excited to be in the gym. Plus, you also have to think about, you know, it was an important game for seating. I think a lot of people were just very, you know, ready to go, ready to get in the gym and support RU. So that's what I mean. I thought the energy was great at the beginning, but just wasn't a lot to get loud about as the game went on, which, it was you know, also which happens. Fucking Michigan, bro. And yeah. you know how that whole dynamic right. is. And I think yeah. I've I didn't play in the Big Ten, but now that I work in the city, um, when you meet people that graduate from certain institutions, they have this real particular air to them, if you will, walk around with their pinky up. And Michigan is one of those institutions, I would say. But you got to respect them. Got to respect them. Phenomenal academics, phenomenal athletics. So they have a huge target on their back, even when they're not having the most phenomenal year from, uh, you know, a, a, a a record standpoint, you want yeah. to beat these guys. So I think that's also what was part of the draw and the allure yeah. of having this team come into town. Yeah, it's always a brag, just like beat Michigan. Like, I mean, even when we did it for the first time last year, I mean, I felt great. Like, and everyone felt great about it. There was so many, there were so many tweets, so many social media posts about Rutgers, you know, finally beat Michigan. So I definitely agree. I think it's just like a, it's some sort of bragging rights that you get because uh, Michigan is one of those, you know, blue bloods, really. So. For sure, you gotta you gotta respect them them dudes, yeah. man. They, and they got guys on the on the squad too. Um, getting into the game, I called it for Rutgers Radio 
Um, Michigan ended up winning 58 to 45, and it was an interesting flow, but the atmosphere was crazy right from the rip. Had Isaiah Pacheco walk in, Super Bowl yeah. champ, really, the crowd was going crazy. Yeah. Jim Jackson, uh, you know, FS1, prime time. Jim Jackson's definitely one of my favorite commentators to tune into. I think he does a phenomenal job as well. So the opportunity was there, man. And, and as you just alluded to, are you one in 15 in the overall series? So it's always that big brother dynamic. So you want to get this dub and yeah. people were chirping. Are you at loss four out of the last five games, you know, after starting really, really hot. And obviously that's a testament to the importance of Mawat Mag after that in- injury. And are you still trying to solidify itself and its identi- identity post that injury? Um, yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, you, you got to come out and, and try to get that dub and, it was tough. Are you? I think one of the things that was difficult. They they had a out of ordinary night from the free throw line, shooting five of sixteen, yep. and then scoring was just not something that they did well. Only forty five points in total. Yeah, man. I mean, offense has been rough. You know, even in the win over Penn State. I mean, it's <laughs> hasn't been hasn't been pretty. And and you know, you said it with the free throws like that. That just hurts you mentally too, because that's something that these guys have been doing well the entire year. And then something that's so simple as, you know, a free shot is, you know, you're now missing these too. So it's super tough on these guys. Um, and then on top of that, I thought like the guys were, you know, arguing with each other, you know, kind of like pointing fingers at each other. And that's when it, it gets really hard because you're already facing adversity, right? You're already playing bad on offense. You have 13 turnovers on offense stuff isn't going well that's you need to come even more together like that's when mm-hmm. everyone really needs to be more together and and we didn't really see that with Michigan so I thought that that hurt them even more uh and it was a, a tough sign but obviously fast forward to Penn State I thought they did a lot better job with that yeah for sure to kind of put the bow on Michigan as well 13 turnovers and Michigan capitalized and big scoring nights for Doug McDaniel, the, the, the highly touted mm-hmm. freshman, 16 points. And Hunter Dickinson, 13 points. And Kobe Bufkin, 14. And then RU got a break before the game with the absence yep. of, you know, Jet Howard. And obviously yep. he's come on and they got pros on this team. So it was it was there for the taking. Yep, it was. It was. Now, they, they definitely dropped one, but that's the, way, that's the way college basketball goes. That's the way Big Ten basketball goes. It's a tough league. I mean, you, you look at the standings, how close everybody is. You know, you got you to gotta bring your A game every single day. And they didn't. They didn't bring their A game. So that's what happens. You, you know, you, you, you get what you deserve in, in, in that scenario. So, you know, but they, but they hung in there for the next game against Penn State. For sure, man. That's an excellent transition, if you will, out to Happy Valley. Um, this over the weekend, Sunday contest against the Nittany Lions. Are you with the largest comeback victory since... The early nine, well, 1996 against 96. Pittsburgh, um, 19 points down. Um, they weren't scoring the ball well, but I love some of these post game quotes afterwards, uh, and we'll get into those. But are you are you beats Penn State 59 to 56? The Derek Simpson game, if you will, 16 points for the young ball, and 
Loved the defensive intensity of Caleb McConnell in the second half. Yep. Jalen Pickett came out strong, man, and he was he getting into the paint with yeah. Will. He's he tough. plays off, too, phenomenally. <laughs> He's tough. He's tough. The reverse pivots, the <laughs> creation of space, the fadeaways, man. And he's he's built like a linebacker, man, so he's yep. sturdy. You're not going to knock him off, off of balance. And then 11 points in the first half, Caleb McConnell limited him to zero points in the second half. So guys understood the responsibility. He didn't even take a shot, I don't think, in the second half. I mean, that's, that's crazy. That's crazy. That's a crazy stat. I mean, I think the three games before that, he was averaging like 30 points. <laughs> like, like what? And you don't even take a shot in the second half. So, I, you know, big credit to Caleb, big credit to the guys. I thought that they did a great job of doubling him when he did catch it, um, you know, closer to the basket, some of, those, some of those spots where he normally gets his way. And then – you know, also on the dribble drives too. I thought they did a great job of just collapsing. You know, everybody, everybody kind of helping each other, and you know, really taking on the identity of team defense. Like everyone helped Caleb when he needed it. You know, when he was out on the wing too. So I thought overall, a great defensive stand in the second half. And the thing I was most impressed with with the team was what I had talked about earlier, where everyone was coming apart today. Not today. During during the Penn State game, that didn't happen. Like everyone was still locked in, no matter what the score was. You didn't see any bickering, any arguing. No one was pointing fingers at each other. Everyone stayed the course, and that's the only thing you can do. Like, at the end of the day, like, there are going to be games where you lose. There are going to be games where you win, but how are you reacting to it? And I thought the guys Mm -hmm. reacted the right way. Everyone was staying together, and they got stops when they needed to. It wasn't wasn't pretty. It was another game under 60 points, but figuring out a way to win has to feel good, you know, and and thinking ahead to, to Minnesota. Like that's the perfect game to get your offense in rhythm. So, you know, you you you're happy that you survived this game and now you try to fix the problems in the next one. Yeah. And and just to accentuate the defensive dominance for RU, that's obviously been the saving grace even when the offense hasn't really been too prolific. Mm-hmm. Defense ranks top twenty nationally in field goal percentage, eighth at thirty eight point nine percent scoring defense, eighth at fifty nine point eight percent steals, twenty third, eighth. Three-point defense, 19th. And then they lead the Big Ten in all those individual statistical categories as well. So thinking about that collectively, any good team is the sum of its parts. And the news comes out, obviously, Caleb McConnell, semifinalist for the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year Award. Do you think he has a shot this year to get it? He has a shot. He has a shot. I mean, there's some great defenders in the country, of course, but – you know, Caleb's proven it time and time again. Jalen Pickett is the perfect example. Like, you just held a dude to zero points in the second half who's been on a tear, like a tear. I mean, this dude is a pro. Jalen Pickett is a pro, guaranteed. Like the way he plays, he has a perfect pro game. He gets to his spots. He's mature. He 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 knows how to score. And, and he's got gotta, the size too, 6'4". Right, he's got, got the frame. size, exactly. Like he, he has the full package. And, and Caleb, I mean, he shut him down. He shut him down. Not only did he, he didn't score, he didn't shoot. He didn't shoot. And their offense looked awful. Like Penn State's offense looked awful in the second half. A lot of over dribbling, not really making the extra pass, guys missing shots, contested, Rutgers getting steals. You know, and that's and that's credit to Caleb. Caleb is the head of the snake when it comes to that. So, you, you know, I think he absolutely has a chance at getting the defensive player of the year in the country for sure. For sure. And that's the defensive side. Offensively, it's still, to your point earlier, you know, it was ebbs and flows. Yeah. And they needed to find the hot hand. And right. I love the adjustment by 
Steve Peichel at half, considering Kayla McConnell had three fouls going into yeah. halftime to start Derek Simpson after he yeah. started to get going under two minutes left. And to ride, you know, the freshman for the duration of the game, and he made big plays. You love to see it. Yeah. 16 points, career high, and then at the end of the game, giving all credit to the big fellas, Cliff yeah, Amore and Antoine Wolfolk for setting phenomenal screens to be able to get him open and, and to be able to get downhill. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I mean, so for, for those who don't know, Luke Nathan is my roommate. So like I live I live with Luke Nathan. We we're watching the game together. And I was telling him, like, yo, they just need like give the ball to Derek. Like I'm telling you, just leave Derek <laughs> in there. Like and then he started making play after play after play and, and started to get more comfortable. I was so happy. And then the fact that Pike started him in the second half too, I've never seen Coach Pike do that. Like, mm. I've never seen Coach Pike do that. He's like, his starters are his starters for that game. He always does that. It doesn't matter the foul situation, anything. So the fact that he was, you know, able to switch up his game plan just a little bit, because I know he does not like doing that. I think he's a stu- superstitious man as well. Like, this is the way Pike is. <laughs> like, the fact that he was, you know, willing to do that and, and change it up, um, you know, showed a lot of maturity on his end and then, and then a lot of trust, too, for Derek, like, Derek can play, man. He, he, you know, he knows how to make plays, and they, and and really, it, the offense was getting better, but they were doing really simple actions. I, the announcers were talking about it a little bit. They were, you know, just continuously running chest middle. So if you guys watched the game, you probably heard the announcers talking about it. Chest middle is literally just a weave into a middle ball screen. That's what chest middle is. <laughs> so you're getting well, guys to just literally, you're getting guys to move just a little bit. You're getting guys move, to move, uh, you know, side to side just a little bit with the weave action. One guy kind of cuts through. Get his guy to move a little bit off of the eye, which is the middle of the middle of the floor on defense. You want to always be mm-hmm. on that eye if you're, you know, the ball's on the opposite side of you. Try to get that guy to move just a little bit, and then you got you're going downhill off of a ball screen. That's what chess middle is. And I thought they made the right reads off of it every time, whether it was Derek into a little pull up, uh, you know, a little driving kick. There was a roll rise where a guy was rising up. And you, you hit the roll, you hit the rise guy for a three. I think I think Caleb hit the three on it. You know, so it was the same action every time, but they were just making the right reads. And at the end of the day, people love to talk about how, you know, oh, Coach Michael isn't running plays or Rutgers, Rutgers offense isn't all that. You need guys who can make plays too. Like the play, the play was is the same as it's always been. It's just mm-hmm. that you had the guy in the right position to make the play and make the right reads and, and you know, guys knock down open shots. And, and that's when the offense looked the best. You got a guy who's getting downhill making plays. It's called a college basketball program. You just cycle right. these dudes in and out, right. and they come in and learn how to play in the right way. Right. And you see the same type of results at the end of it. So really, really phenomenal job by the young boy, again, stepping up when the team needed him most. Because, listen, if you lose that game, you know, that was a that that was a quad one victory right there for yeah. the taking. And you needed it. Needed. Uh, you, you needed it at the end of the day. Um, and it wasn't just Derek, man. You had Cliff Amore, another double-double, 13 rebounds. Um, and you had Oscar Palmquist hit, you know, big shots, two, two, three pointers off the bench, uh, yep. as well. And I oh, know she started that game, two, three pointers, yep. you know, after being, you know, in, in, integrated into the starting lineup again. So uh, that was really, really big. And then how about Cam Spencer down in, in, in crunch time, big time still on Seth Lundy yep. after they had three opportunities to try to change the outcome of the game and you get, you need a defensive stop. You come up with it. Yeah, and Caleb, you know, we, we mentioned him on defense. I thought he, thought he played pretty pretty good on offense as well. He had a couple turnovers early. 
you know, but didn't turn it over again as the game went on. Made two threes. He was getting to his mid-range, backing guys down, getting to his spot. I think, I forget what he was, five for 12 from the floor, I think. Um, that's just off the top of my head, you know, so he was, it was an efficient game for him too. So, you know, I, I thought he played well on offense too. And then it gets RU its 10th win in Big Ten play this year. That's a, a monumental number, obviously very hard to do yeah. when you look at some of the other records and how close and the parity it is in the middle of the pack, excuse me, and and then three straight wins against Penn State as well. So talk about a game of styles and matchups and a game of programs against programs. And it's hard to go out to Happy Valley and, and play, and this is my second consecutive year of going out there and just seeing how that environment is. Um, and, and that's just one of those places. And, and for them to come back from that, far down to be able to pull a dub after it didn't look honestly like it was going to be a positive outcome at the end of the first half that was yeah crazy night and day it didn't look good at all man like and it, it's funny I was I was sitting there like just watching and laughing like damn here we go again at Penn State like always happens at Penn State where it's like we just come out slow and sloppy and we're down 15 to 20 points like it just always feels that way and uh I was texting Caleb after the game and he was he was saying that he said he was laughing because he was like, man, it's happening again. Like, <laughs> my, yo, like, it's, you know, that's just how it goes, man. So, but I, I'm, I'm real proud of the guys for, like I said earlier, just staying together and, you know, not bickering because it's, it's easy to go the other way. Like, it is hard to stay together. It is hard to be positive when you know you're not playing your best basketball. You know you just lost to Michigan at home. You know. What can happen if you lose this game? You know, you, you probably got to win your next two. So it's it's a lot easier to to split apart and and point fingers and be mad at each other. It's it's a lot harder to to do what they did and, and come together, get stops, and um, you know, really just be a special basketball team. That that was it was really impressive to see. And obviously, there's a lot of stuff they need to work on on the offensive end. You're not going to win a lot of games with the points they've been scoring recently, but you know, at this point in the season, it's not about that. It's it's about surviving advance. You know, NCAA mm-hmm. tournament is about surviving advance. Big Ten tournament is about surviving advance. So if there's an issue, you don't worry about it during the game. You try to figure it out for the next one. And, and Minnesota is the perfect game to really try to figure out your offensive rhythm. Yeah, I, I think that, and we'll get to that in a second. I had one other follow-up point in question. Are you 17 and two, 17 and two when holding teams to 65 points and below eight and zero in the big 10 when able to do that? Is that a recipe for success to be able to make it deep in March and the NCAA run? What do you think would have to be a change or is this something that is sustainable for them to be able to, you know, do something that hasn't been done in a while and let's mm-hmm. try to make a round of 32 or a sweet 16 game if you are a Rutgers basketball fan? Here's my thing. I think it's uh, I think it's tough, and I'll say it because because of my experience and also how other Big Ten teams have done in the past. I think the Big Ten is the best scouting league in the country. So like, mm-hmm. I think Coach Michael does a great, and you've seen them. You've seen the scouts too yourself. So you know they do they do a great job of scouting their opponent, and the NCAA tournament. So for the first game, you get a you get a, a solid amount of time for that scout. But for that next one, you don't like this. There's not there's not like a there's not a big time period to figure out your opponent. So the scout is is tough. It's it's hard. You don't get used to the 
to the other team. So if you come, if you have a offensive juggernaut coming in who runs all these different plays and you don't have a lot of time to scout it, that's tough for for a defensive team. It doesn't matter how how you know you could have five Caleb McConnells on the floor if he doesn't know the other team's plays. It, it just makes it harder to play defense. That's just mm-hmm. that's just how it goes. So I think that's going to be the toughest thing for them moving forward if they're going to try to stay with that recipe. Is it doable? I mean, sure, but. It's tough. That's 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 a, and that's why March Madness is what it is because there's such a quick turnaround time. There isn't scout. It's really just about you know who's playing the best. Yeah, I, I think that that is fair enough. I was uh, I'm always interested because people like to find a million different ways to kind of slice and dice where teams are at different points in the season and all the different factors that go into seating as well. So obviously we'll get into a little bit of the science behind college basketball tournament time in our last segment uh, with our guest. But I was just interested from your perspective and from other basketball players' perspective if uh, if you thought that RU had enough offensive firepower to be able to sustain. Um, yeah. So lastly, one other thing wanted to bring up is in regards to the Penn State game, um, there was a report that came out of some racist chants that were going on. And I heard some stuff throughout the game. Yeah. And I don't want to pinpoint it in regards to, like, trying to bash on or pile on a team. Right. Have you ever experienced that? Did you hear anything about the feedback that players were experiencing? Because that, that's never acceptable, obviously. Right. You go out there to play for the university, and we're in 2023. People got to get past stuff like that. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, like, for me personally, I never really – I don't think – I don't think I ever heard anything. I'm sure something's been screamed before. I don't I, like when I'm playing, I don't really you hear the crowd noise, but you don't hear the words being said, if if that makes sense. So I, I think I was always like pretty locked in and in that sense. I know I remember seeing a video like last year or, or two years ago where someone screamed something at Cliff at Wisconsin. Um, so that was that was like the one time where I really saw it or or heard it, I guess, you know, I heard it on the video. Um Penn State's always been kind of, you know, they get a little rowdy or, or, you know, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, I, I don't I don't remember ever hearing anything like like awful. Uh, but obviously you don't ever want to hear that um, at any arena. That is, you know, there's like you said, there's just no place for it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's it's uh, it just doesn't really make sense, like why you would do it. So I don't I don't love that if it's true, um, you know, and hopefully they learn from it and, you know, move on because. That stuff stays with you, even if you, even if it doesn't, if if you don't really, you can you can brush it off, but you're still gonna remember it. Like I, I've gotten racist DMs all the time, and I brush it off, but it's still like, damn, like someone really hates you that much. That's you know, wild to, to me to, that, to say something like that. You know what I'm saying? So that people obviously know who you are, and they probably support the idea, or at least the program that you're affiliated with. Right. But still, there's this inherent hatred within. Um, you know, that they still can't identify and get over. Um, so that's the thing that was just going through my mind when I was hearing things is Penn State has black players on their team right. um, and black football players that these people are going out and supporting, but yep. you're throwing racist chants at the opposing group that are applicable to the people on, a, on the team that you're rooting for as well. So, I mean, obviously I'm not trying to hear to stand on a soapbox, but at the end of the day, I'm hoping that that's something that has changed and we can get further and further away, you know, yeah, I think over, over the years to come. So you just got you just got to remember that, you know, everybody like still people like this is like this is people that, that you're yelling at human beings. 
And I think basketball and, and football too, I think has gone to a point where it's like people are just looking at these college players as just strictly entertainment. And it's like you kind of forget Robots, who they are. Almost. Who they are as people. No and, emotion, no feeling. And I could get deep into this, man, but I'm going I'm to try, try not to. But that's part of the reason why I wanted to fight for NIL too, though, is like, you know, recognizing each person for who they are individually. And I think that's really important. Love it. And we'll switch over and conclude that now and be joined in a moment by no other than Brad Wattell for our scouting report segment looking ahead to RU and their two final games for the remainder of this season. I think two really good opportunities for them to to really solidify seating going into the Big Ten tournament. Brad, what's up, man? What's up, man? What's going on? What's up, guys? How are you? you? I'm doing great. Gio, we've never met before. We have not, but I, I used to keep track of all. Listen, last year was a roller coaster for us. I was looking at all the bracketology, man. I, was, I, I, know, I know you work too well, too well from last year. I, I appreciate it, and, and I know your work as well, trust me. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Also, if you don't mind, I want to ask Brad the first question. What, hey. After this introduction, just to okay. set the table, go ahead. over right, to you, yeah, my go ahead. Go ahead. So go ahead. joined by Brad Wattell, who was... The former, it was the Dobo, right? Director of Basketball Operations, Brad? Is so that- I, w- I was Director of Basketball Administration. Um, and then I'm also, I, I was also a team manager back in, uh, back when Gary Waters was coaching in 2001 to 2005. Sheesh. So obviously a RU guy through yes, and sir. through. You ten, ten, ten years part of the men's basketball program. Love to see love it, that. love to hear it. And then now you have transitioned into the world of becoming one of the most respected bracketologists out there. I'm, I'm really, really proud to see everything that's going on with you, Brad. So really happy that you were able to join us this afternoon. And Gio, over to you. All right, Brad, I got, I got a question, man. So obviously we got a lot of Rutgers listeners right now, and I want to either ease their minds straight off the jump or give them something to panic about. Is there a <laughs> scenario, is there any scenario where Rutgers does not get into the tournament that you see? There is a scenario. So okay. if, they, if they lose out, you know, lose it, losing at Minnesota would be another bad loss on their resume. They currently have three bad losses, and yep. that's a loss that's three Q3 losses. Yep. So Minnesota would be another Q3 loss, um, which would put them at four. No other team in the field has that many bad losses. Mm. Now, that being said, they have a lot of good on their resume that's going to keep them in. So if they happen to lose that game, lose against Northwestern at home, and then lose the first game in the conference tournament, then all of a sudden, I'm not saying they're out. It's going to depend on how other teams do, other bubble teams do. So it kind of is open-ended at that point. Um, If I had a guess right now, I'd say they'll be in regardless. Um, but you don't want to leave it to chance. Definitely don't want to leave it to chance. <laughs> you hear that, RU Nation? Yeah. Calm down. It's okay. looking good. It's looking we just got to take out. care of business over the next two. Did you have a chance, Brad, to tune into the Penn State game? What were your feelings about RU's chances in the first half? What were your feelings about RU chances after there were zero seconds on the clock? I was nervous uh, because – what the committee is looking at, they're looking at how, how Rutgers is playing without Mawat Mack. And right. had they lost that game, it would have been one in five without him in the lineup. And they're clearly not the same team without him. But it's, it's so important. What that second half did, it shows the committee that we may not be the team that we were 
back when we beat one at Purdue, but we're not the team that we were the previous couple of weeks yeah. after the after the key injury. So I think that's something that was so important. And I can't say I'm shocked that they came back because, you know, watching Coach Peichel's teams over the years, they never give up. They fight. They play hard. They defend. Um, I was definitely in sh- a little bit in shock the way Penn State kind of just forced threes the yeah. entire second half. Like, what What are you doing? They completely um, broke but, down. But, yeah, but, but a part of that is because of the way Rutgers defended. And, and finally, mm-hmm. Rutgers was able to make some shots in the second half. And the momentum changed. And you guys know how momentum is. It's a, it's a crazy thing. Yeah, for sure. It's everything in the game of basketball. You know teams are going to go on runs. I feel like it's about being opportunistic and making sure that you're playing the right basketball at the right time in a contest. Two games remaining for RU. You got Minnesota 7-20 and overall, 1-16 and in the Big Ten. I, I, I would imagine barring an unforeseen Big Ten tournament run that those guys don't have a chance of making it in at this point in the year. And then Northwestern as well who's been playing really good basketball. So let's look at two different scenarios. If they go one and one over the next two, where do you see RU potentially be seated? If they win two games, does that change anything either? Sure. So right now I currently have Rutgers as an eight seed. Uh, They're really like my second number eight seed. Um, So if they lose to Minnesota and beat Northwestern, the loss to Minnesota is going to knock them down one to two seats. Um, again, depending on how the other nine seeds and 10 seeds and 11 seeds play, um, it could be one seed, it could be a two seed drop. Um, and then if they beat Northwestern, uh, they could get back up one seed. So you're looking at like a nine or a 10 seed heading into the Big Ten tournament. Um, and then depending on how they do in the Big Ten tournament, you know, if you win a couple games, you could improve by a seed or two. Um, but the crazy thing about the conference tournaments and, and doing bracketology for a number of years what the committee does, they seem to not really pay attention to what goes on on Saturday and Sunday prior to Selection Sunday. It seems like they kind of have their bracket set. So if you're a team that, you know, your seed is not really going to change a whole lot, even if you happen to, even if they happen to win the Big Ten tournament, yeah. I can see them getting as high as a five seed. Um, not high, not any higher than that, though. Um, so that's that's one scenario. The other scenario, if they... Probably the preferred scenario is to beat Minnesota. Um, and if you're going to lose a game, you lose to Northwestern. It's just a quad two loss. It doesn't really affect you a whole lot. Yep. You're looking at an eight or nine seed going into the conference tournament. As long as you don't lose to a team like a Minnesota, you should still be in that eight or nine range uh, come Selection Sunday. Making it sound like smooth sailing right now, man. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds a lot better than what we had going on last year. I want to I wanna ask you about the net because like, I, and maybe you don't even really get it. I don't know because it seems like nobody really understands it. And obviously last year we were like the extreme anomaly when it came to the net. Mm-hmm. So how does, just how does, how does the net work? Do, do you know? <laughs> so first of all, the, the committee does not, has not released the formula for the net. Okay. So, which is, which is interesting in itself. Um, but over the years, you kind of like, kind of, you figure out how, how things work. Yeah. Um, for example, last year, you guys, when you had your, you know, losing to Lafayette, the non-conference schedule wasn't particularly strong at all. And there were a lot of close games. There weren't many blowouts. As a result, your net was, po- was very poor. That's, yeah. That had a, was a big part of it. This year, 
a very similar non-conference strength of schedule, but they beat teams by 30 and yeah, 40. Killing them. And, and obviously didn't, not having that bad loss is huge, but I think, I don't want to say, you know, running up the score helps your net, but it does. Yeah. Uh, that's a big part of it. Uh, and, and then as well as how you perform against, you know, the quadrants, yeah. um, winning away from home is much more important than winning at home. Yeah. And, you know, Rutgers last year and a couple of years before that, always been, Rutgers is always a great home team. Yep. Um, and the road is always, it's gotten so much better, trust me, um, as you know. Yeah. Uh, but the road, and I think particularly the fact that Rutgers really hasn't played any neutral site games over the last few years. Um, their their conference, their preseason tournaments are basically four games at home. Um, so they're four likely wins, but you're not able to pick up any wins away from home before, you know, unless you have a scheduled game against a, a high major team or, or conference play. Right. So I think that kind of hurts a little bit. So picking up wins away from home will increase your net. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a mystery, the net. Um, and people are always going to have gripes about it. Before the net, there was the RPI. People had issues with that. Yeah. Um, fortunately, last year, you know, Rutgers getting in with the worst net ever. Yeah. They, the committee did the right thing because sure. no matter what your, your net is like, what's most important is who have you beaten and the number of quality wins and high quality wins that you guys had last year uh, you, you deserve to be in. For sure. No, I, I, I appreciate that insight, though, because I'm still trying to figure it out, man. And I know a lot of people are, too. So uh, that, that definitely that definitely helps a lot. I want to I want to ask you one more question, too, about the Big Ten. How many teams do you see in the field right now for the Big Ten Conference? So right now I have nine teams in um, with Michigan and Penn State on the outside looking in. You know, if Penn State, had they beat Rutgers, probably would have been in my last four in. So that that loss was a killer for them. Yeah, um, they, and knew then Michi- they knew it too. They knew it. You could see yeah. it on their faces. Oh, yeah. Um, and then Michigan, who they the way their conference schedule worked out, it was top, he- top heavy at the bottom um, at the end of their schedule. So they finished with... Um, at Illinois and at Indiana. Mm-hmm. Now they're going to need to win at least one of those games to have a shot because they're they have a Q4 loss. Their numbers in the quadrants aren't particularly strong. The win at Rutgers was huge for them. It kind of kept them alive, kept them afloat. They're in my first four out. Um, they're going to have to win at least one of those games. Uh, if not, probably not happening for their sake. Um, and then the team that's really in question right now is Wisconsin. Yeah. They are in right now as one of my last teams in. Their net is in the 70s. The thing that they have going for them is that they have six quadrant one wins. And when you, they're six and six, which is, you know, for a bubble team, that's very good. Um, and they finish with Purdue at home. Um, and then they, and then they go to, they're on the road somewhere. I forgot off the top of my head. I think they go to Minnesota, actually. Um, okay. So as long as they, if they can beat Purdue, getting a seventh Q1 win really will increase their chances of getting in. Yeah. But again, like Rutgers last year, if your net is in the 70s, you know, there's... It's tough. It's, a, it's tough. You're coming down to Selection Sunday. So yeah. they need to keep winning. They're two games under 500 in conference play, even though conference record doesn't mean a whole lot when it comes to selection. Um, they haven't been playing particularly great. It seems like they keep going loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, and... They're, uh, from my my point of view, the eye test don't particularly look like a tournament team, yeah, um, but the eye test doesn't really matter when it comes to selection. 
That's awesome, man. I appreciate that that commentary, if you will. A couple follow ups on that. Knowing that you knowing what you know and kind of going through this process, have you seen any particular seeds when it comes to the NCAA tournament to be more favorable as opposed to other ones, higher or lower? Um, That could potentially be a kiss of death for people who don't take care of business towards the end of the year. Well, if, if I'm Rutgers, I want to avoid the 8-9 game. Um, I'd rather have the 7. I'd rather be a 10. I'd rather be a 10 than an 8 seed um, because you want to avoid the 1 seed uh, in the second round. Uh, that's, that's one particular reason. And actually looking at you know, the locations and everything for, for this coming tournament, the ideal location would be to play in Albany and be in the East region at Madison Square Garden. You know, unfortunately, the preferred locations are only for the top four seeds for the NCAA tournament, but you know, there's the chance that it could still happen, even if you are a, a seven, eight, nine, or 10 seed. Um, and if you're an eight or nine seed, they're not gonna put you with Purdue, who is currently a one seed. They're not gonna have you play Purdue in the second round. So if you're an eight or nine seed, and you're looking at who your second round opponent could be, you're looking at Alabama, you're looking at Kansas, and you're looking at Houston. I'm sure Rutgers would love a rematch with Houston. Um, <laughs> I would, but uh, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. Um, but I think avoiding that eight nine game is important, just so I think there's a little bit of a separation between maybe the top, between the one seeds, and then maybe you know the two seeds are pretty strong too. But I still think there's a little bit of a separation between the two, so avoiding that would be important. Other than that, no. Um, even like, you know, like we say, 10 seed, an 11 seed is not bad as long as you're avoiding Dayton and don't have to play that extra game. You, yeah. you, you're the 11, you play the 6, then you play the 3. You know, you're always trying to look at your path to get to where we all want to get to. Um, and I think just avoiding that 8-9 game is huge because you, it's, of course it's possible for an 8-9 to beat a 1 seed. It's happened before, but you don't want to be in that situation. Respect that. Obviously, that first floor game in is a beast, man. Electric, but it makes a little bit more of a high-pressure situation for teams entering that predicament. Give me your final four at this point. Wow, okay. So so I think this year I could definitely see not too many number one seeds, even though I just said the one seeds are strong. I could see not a lot of one seeds being in the final four. Um I definitely like UCLA to be there. They're currently my my top two seed. Um, and another two seed that I have is Baylor. Um, I think they'll be there as well. Mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a team that's in the five seed range that'll be there. And and right now I'm actually, I really like Miami. Um, even though they just had an awful loss to Florida State, I feel like their, their guard play, you yep. know, to win, you got to have guard play. Um, and I think they have what it takes. We saw what they did. Last year, getting to the Elite Eight, you know, not the same exact team, but they might be better. Um, granted, playing in the ACC, you know, we know how the ACC is. The bottom half of that league is, is bad. Yeah. Uh, but I think I could see a high high ceiling for that team. Um, and then my fourth team, I will say, <laughs> let me just take a look right now. Check the notes. Um, check the notes. Check, gotta, gotta check the notes. The take, take your time. Take your time. You know, I'm going to go with UConn. Wow. Well, I mean, Ooh, I get wow. it. I get it. But also, I'm go with no, no Big Ten representation for no yet another team. year. Oh, you that's know what we need to talk about. We need to talk about that, actually. <laughs> Why does the I, I, Big Ten yeah. always suck? Well, I'm going to just say it. They're trash. The Big Ten is trash in the NCAA tournament. Why Why is that? 
you know, is it the style of play? Is it that every single game that you guys that that that's in the Big Ten, it's a it's a battle. Every yeah. game is a battle. Um, maybe that takes something out of you. I no. mean, I, I don't know. I mean, no, no, I don't no think it so. doesn't. I don't think so. That's I keep the hearing, general excuse. I you always know, hear. I know that. that's the that's the general excuse. I don't. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. And listen, I was there. You know, what I'm saying I don't. Yeah. I don't think that. When I got to the NCAA tournament, I'm I'm pumped up. Like there's no, I'm not tired. You know, there's there's no being tired at that point. So I don't think it's that. I think I do think it's the style of play. But I wanted I wanted to hear your take on it. Yeah, I, I would say the style of play is most important. I mean, you always see a team like in the past. You always saw a team like Syracuse who would would get in the tournament even if they were like an 11 seed. They would end up in the Sweet 16 and right. or make a run just because of the way they play. Yeah. Um, it's all about matchups. So. Even like when the committee is selecting the teams, it, they don't do it by conference. They do it by individual resume. So part of that maybe is random, but I think I tend to agree. Just the fact that it's so it's so rugged, the yeah. and the different styles of play with the different leagues. You know, maybe that's the reason. But you know, your guess is as good as mine, of course. Yeah, no, it's definitely something that I want to keep trying to evaluate in my head because I, I I just can't figure it out because the Big Ten is obviously a super strong conference every year and getting nine ten teams in but then they just don't perform once it comes time and we were actually talking about it earlier um on the podcast i think the big 10 is is the most highly scouted league in the country too i think big 10 teams have a do a great job of scouting each other out but obviously in ncaa tournaments a very short turnaround time so you don't get that same opportunity to scout your opponent the same way uh that you do in conference play so you don't get a chance to defend them a certain type of way. So I think that that, that plays a part in it as well. There's there's no there's no question. And I and I, I watch every Rutgers game. I know that when the opposing team calls out a play, yep. you guys know what's coming. We're screaming it. Um, We're screaming it. You're you're screaming it. You yeah. guys know what defense to play, and you know that's that's a yep. huge part of you know why you guys have always been so good defensively. Right. You're prepared. Exactly. You're more prepared than probably any other team in the league that I watch. Um, and that and that even if sometimes you don't have the most talent, as people might say, yep. or that, that's that's changing, though, for sure. For sure. Um, pre- being being prepared is like ridiculous. I mean, yeah. Austin, Austin, obviously, you know, on that point, Brad, obviously, this has been a year that's historical from a defensive standpoint for this RU team. Has there ever been a team from a profile standpoint that's this dominant defensively? But up and down, up and down offensively, that's been able to make a significant run in the NCAA tournament, to your knowledge, and maybe you just don't know. That's completely fine. Yeah, yeah. So I would say Virginia is probably the team that comes to mind. Um, you know, the year that they lost as a one seed, they were top five nationally in defense, um, and from an offensive standpoint, you know, they weren't great, and they got eliminated early. Now, obviously, a few couple of years ago when they they won it all, they were they were much better offensively. Um, I think Rutgers it's it's a little bit of an, an anomaly because they're the only team that's in I think the top 60, 70 of Ken Palm that has an offensive efficiency that's I think close to one one fifty. Um, it's like it's it's much worse than all these other teams. So it's yeah. such a co- contrasting. Um, contrasting uh, numbers that you just don't see every day, um, but I think you know if you you gotta you gotta play defense to advance. Um, but I think we've seen on occasions that Rutgers is definitely capable offensively. Yep, just a matter true. matter of being consistent. Respect it. And lastly, for me, 
from your perspective, taking off the bracketology hat and putting your Rutgers basketball fan hat back on, what do you think of, you know, what's been developed at RU over the last couple of years? Obviously, we've been together in the doldrums of RU hoops, and obviously it's in a much better place today. So what do you make of that? Yeah, and I've been through it through three different coaches. Um, so I can really appreciate what Coach Michael has done. Um, it's it's not easy. Yeah. But what, what I appreciate the most is, you know, he's not going out and just getting, you know, the top-of-the-line player. He's getting the right player for his system that is going to play extremely hard, wants to get better, will run through a brick wall for him, um, and he he just he does it the right way. Um, it's something that you know I've always felt this this school was a sleeping giant, and a lot of people did, but we just couldn't get out of our own way for a number of different reasons. And every coach that preceded him, I won't go into it now, <laughs> <laughs> but but there were things that got in the way. Um, there were times where in, in certain regimes we felt like we we had a chance to really break through. And it just never happened. Uh, but, you know, what's been done is is amazing. And, you know, the RU fans, the loyal fans that have stuck through, you know, all these years of futility um, and, and losses, you know, and there, there's been some good wins over the years. They've seen the, the rack, Jersey Mike's, you know, sold out, ruckus crowds. You know, AJ, AJ you remember, of course, when we when we beat... Florida, uh, when we beat, you know, Villanova, Mm -hmm. like there were times, but it was not consistent Mm -hmm. like it's been, you know, now, you know, I was at the game um, against Michigan, um, not the result we wanted, but that crowd, like the first five minutes of the game was insane. Um, I just think, you know, everything from the coaching staff to the marketing department to the everywhere in the athletic department, everyone's taking it up a notch. Um, because you need everybody's help, and and uh, I think it's just amazing, amazing to see, and it's going to keep going. There's no reason for it to stop at this point, especially with the recruiting class that's coming in. So it's going to be exciting. You ain't lying, man. I, love that. I think that's perfect. Appreciate the insight, my guy, and you joining. Um, glad we had a chance to catch up at that last game and continue to do your thing, man. I'm gonna be locked in on your projections and. Hopefully you're wrong about some of these Big Ten tournament, Big Ten teams making it deep in the NCAA tournament this year. But <laughs> well, thank you, Brad, for joining us and everybody joining us on this episode of the Are You Listening podcast brought to you by New Amendment. Check us out after the next two games where RU will be battling against uh, Minnesota and Northwestern. All right, we'll check you guys then. Beyond the Big Ten is a network of podcasts that aims to be your go-to resource for all things Big Ten. We cover the entire conference with shows hosted by ex-players and athletic alumni, aiming to be your go-to source of information and entertainment for your favorite team. Hosted by ex-Big Ten players, media, and insiders, our podcasts are focused on giving diehard fans and those alums an inside scoop about the teams and people that make the Big Ten Conference one of the most watched and most talked about conferences in sports. We're excited to talk Big Ten basketball with you wherever you may be. Subscribe now.